I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Are you ready to join Shameless Sex learning about squatting? Kegels, dilators, can dicks actually break? Or also like how you can overcome painful sex, no matter what bits you're rocking, because that's what we're talking about. I like the controversial things because like squatting, people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and also Kegels are a big hit, everyone, but like can a penis actually break? Can that, I break my that, cock? <laughs> we didn't talk about that. We did talk much. about it. We talked about it for a tiny bit. Oh, and we talked about it on here. It was interesting. However, I will say we talked about squatting a oh, lot. Yeah. The benefits of squatting and yes. how it can help with your pelvic and squatting. Core. Do you when you squat? Do you squat with your legs out? Are you doing like knee? Because some people have bad knees, so it's more difficult to squat. Mine is not a knee issue. It's like more of a hamstring tight calf issue. She was when you squat, about. It, it hurts your hammies. It's yeah, because they're super tight. Uh, and I'm you know I'm five nine and mostly legs, and so and I'm not like known as the most limber person, even though I've been doing yoga for years. But so when I squat to have my feet flat, they I have they have to be really fall up far apart, and so my hip. My, sorry, my, my pelvis, my hips are also higher if that happens. Oh, yeah. But if I squat more like my tiptoes, but I can squat all the way down and get my bum as low as possible, then I can get lower and it also is harder to do. It's like, and also one like one side is tighter than the other. Yeah. Like I have I'm, tight hammies too. I, and one, I'm not tall. Well, I'm more flexible one side, like significantly. It's probably like 20% more flexible on one side than the other. Which this is all what we learned today. Yeah. Linked to your pelvic floor and sex health and orgasms and, and orgasms. Yes, even if you have a penis, yeah, and your an tight hammies or an asshole, <laughs> yeah. you, you all probably do. If you are an asshole, yeah, that's different. Keep listening, okay? though. We Keep listening. Yes, yes. We love a good we have, asshole. We have something for you. <laughs> we are accepting here, so stay tuned because Dr. Meredith Brzezinski is back and she's awesome and has so much to share. And this applies to all humans on the planet. Okay, so only one announcement today, and then we're going to dive right into a sex question. Are you talking about? Beep, beep, beep. News. Oh North, my God. East, West, South. West, South. <laughs> that is all about our retreat in Costa Rica. Y'all. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So we want to connect with you. Yes, you. Exactly you. Specifically vulva owning humans and female identified folks. And the intention behind this retreat is for you to, one, go and find your community to really relax, let go, nourish yourself. Also to gain more knowledge and tools about yourself as a sexual being in the safety of a whole bunch of other people that are doing the same thing and on the same path. And we are going to hopefully all leave there, you know, close friends and more transformed. So go check out shamelesssex.com there's a video there and then it will also lead you guide you into a place oh page is gonna be there too yeah page is gonna we be love there. you page. we love you page she's our social media manager and executive our executive assistant. assistant we love her okay so let's move to a sex question okay. and Ready. april has not heard this yet so here we go i attend a clothing optional swingers event that my partner is this from amy i'm just kidding <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so I made this up. It's really about me and yeah. April's She's support. kidding, but I haven't heard it. But I, yeah, I attend awesome. a clothing optional swingers event that my partner doesn't want to attend. 
And by the way, this sounds like a mutual thing. Like they're cool. Like I didn't want to attend blessings. And this is not me. By the way, <laughs> I'm not looking for a hookup. I want to get more comfortable with my body, be in a sexually charged environment, be naked, watch and be watched. I totally understand the concern and apprehension that surrounds single males. And that's who I am. How do I portray myself as not that creepy single middle-aged white guy? How do I know what is acceptable? It's been so amazing to express a part of myself that has been otherwise repressed. Please help. I'm not a, a single middle-aged white guy, but I totally get this. I know a lot of them. Yeah, I know a lot of them. But So I get one, just like the part of you. So let's take a single middle-aged white guy out of it, and then we'll go to that one maybe. The part of you that is going in these environments where you can be naked, you can see and be around people that are being highly sexual. So you're not going to hook up. So it doesn't sound like you're being highly sexual, but it is still to me, highly sexual to be in that environment. But it doesn't mean that you want to actually touch other bodies or hook up, but you're seeing, you're experiencing that being just being there that like you, it creates more love and acceptance for you and your body and your sexuality just by being immersed in this environment. And I totally get that. I've experienced that. I've actually never been to swingers, party but i've been to sex parties like with a bonobo network they came on our podcast in other environments not just with that and i've gotten a lot out of that like i can just walk around naked and people are maybe fucking around here here and there and there's like a dungeon or maybe not um and i'm like oh my god my, i can just hang out my birthday soon be me and dance and play in the pool if there's a pool I w- maybe have some sex I can know. i just say when i've ever been to europe beaches you don't really wear a top on the beach anywhere that I've been in Europe. And I think when nudity is not so on display as something that is weird, like it's more normalized, acceptable. So why I'm saying this is because I was on the beach naked with friends in Europe many times in the U S it's not as common and it gets weird. Or or it's at like the little pocket nude beach, like one in your state. And then it's like, Oh God, then you have like really small area of people that want to come and see the naked people. Yeah. So then like tourists with the, when I was in India, just having a tank top on, I was, I felt like a little uncomfortable because people were taking pictures with, by the busloads while we were in Goa. And I was like, okay, and I wasn't even in a bikini I was just in a tank top and I was like okay I get it so what I'm saying here and why I'm why I'm speaking to this is because I don't know exactly what the vibe is with this human who is he's single and he says he's no he's no he has a partner oh he has a partner and the partner is on board for them to go to this okay these gatherings but and he's not geared towards a hookup he's want to be creepy but doesn't want to be the creepy guy who's just there like being connected so does he have to if he feels like maybe he doesn't have to be naked and he could go and approach people I don't know no I don't think that's it because the naked part is what's fulfilling him Okay. So it's not put your clothes on so you don't feel creepy. It's so, in my opinion, to be creepy involves a certain energy. And that could be from your eyes to the words you say to the movement of your hands touching someone or touching your own body. And there's a difference between being free and being creepy. So if I were to be creepy, I would be, you know, imagine me and I'm not like the middle-aged white guy, but like still, this is still an example. Like if I'm at this sex party or a swingers party or clothing optional or just a nudist resort, which I want to talk about in a second because the difference between nudist resorts and sex parties or swinger events. But like, so if I were creepy, Amy, and I'm walking around naked and I see hot April over there and I look her in the eyes and I look at her up and down with those eyes checking out, not just, I'm not like really connected with her. I'm looking at her breasts. I'm looking at her genitals. I'm looking at her ass. I'm like making her a piece of meat. And then I look at her in the eyes and I was like, wow, you're so fucking hot. 
she might be like, wow, it feels a little invasive. Okay, so if naked dudes come up to you, you don't look at their... I do a quick up and down. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I do an up and down. Okay. I check. It's not that I'm I not can't looking. help myself. Of course. But, but I'm at naked places. But so you can look without being creepy. overly. Yeah. Like oh, you're overly extending your look. Right. So if I if I get stuck on your genitals and I start like having like you know, yeah, my lips. Awkward. And, yeah. But like I don't want to make you just your body and your genitals. I want to notice that because you're naked. But I want to see all of you and then show you that I see all of you and focus on all of and you. And if someone has really good. Like okay, our friend, one of our friends, really good friends, has oh, huge, I have a friend beautiful who? breasts. Oh and yeah. I, sometimes I'm like, Yo, like I can't stop, and I tell her. But so, what do you do? Because I'm not. Uh, She's our I'm friend, person though, that, so we can be like, damn, good, yes. your breasts are but amazing. If, like, so, if I was at a uh, naked swingers resort and someone had boobs like that, I couldn't. I don't know if I could stop looking at them. I'm not even. I, you like, could, I would try. You have self control and you're human with free okay. will. Okay. So you just everyone who has like the the belief that you can't do a thing, but they're so beautiful. Can. I'm like, damn it. So you look, can look at them and look up look at them look up and then like try to focus on them and then speak to it okay i just i want to focus on you and okay. all of you but i keep noticing your your breasts and they're amazing but i'm trying i'm just just want to say that like out get rid of the elephant in the room but i'm that trying makes to focus it less on creepy. you that's your you're out right. the awkward out the feelings of i'm trying to be a thing that i'm not really being right now but like you look if you look at the whole the person as a whole it makes a huge difference it doesn't mean you don't see the sexy things or the like the body parts of the pieces especially if they're naked or they're like fucking or something one of the other protocols also when i don't know if the sweet event does this but um some of the sex parties i've been to if you're gonna watch people you can look there's a difference between looking and watching looking is like kind of glancing here and there watching is your part of their scene and so to not be creepy would be to ask permission well i, I you're you, you're engaging over here do you mind if i watch and they might that gives them permission uh no thank you but you can look sometimes or, or like they want to do their own thing so so there's these different standards of like how that can be. But I, I think that, yes, we do live in a society that get, especially middle-aged, just again, taking white guy out, middle-aged guy. Like you don't want to be too creepy, too rapey, too much, all these different pieces there. But you also don't want to be like hiding yourself and not a sexual being because you're on the other side of the spectrum. So how can you be in the middle? And really, I think that it's just seeing people as a whole person and being really honest about where you are and what you're feeling and thinking in a way that's not highly invasive. And the other thing that I thought about here was the difference between what I said earlier, the nudist versus swinger parties or sorry, nudist re retreats or campouts versus swinger parties or sex parties. If it's really about being just naked around people who are embracing naked, a nudist resort might be a better choice for you than a highly sexually charged place. But if you're bringing sexual energy into that place where that's not the main focus, it's more about just playing volleyball naked, swimming naked, talking over coffee naked. But it depends what you're looking for because they bring in different energies. So reading the opening line of this, I attend clothing optional swingers events that my partner doesn't want to attend. So I'm assuming there sounds like there's an agreement that it's fine. Right. Yeah. Or and the question isn't how do I get my partner to accept this? Right. Like, how do I not feel like the creepy dude? And I'm not looking for a hookup. Yeah. I've gone to sex parties where people don't want to hook up, but they like being around all the sex and nakeds. Yeah, I have met those people. I actually feel like I'm that person a lot of times. So how do you, if, so if I was fucking at one of these resorts and this, mm -hmm. I don't know. So I'm asking you because yeah. you have been. So I would be creepy. I would be creeped out if some dude was like, can I just watch you? And he's naked 
And I mean, what? So that's different. Does he ask if he can he masturbate in front of us if he's turned on? Because so that's another level. That's a good point. Are you masturbating? Are you touching yourself? Yeah. What is he doing? Or are you being watched in the way that you're just walking around naked, which can be highly freeing and really powerful? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Also, this is one reason why I love the Bonobo Network, uh, who came on our podcast. I don't remember the episode. Oh, they just emailed me. <laughs> it's popped up. It's there funny. you go. Uh, and because they do a whole consent talk about how to deal with these things. And even if you can't go to one of their parties, I don't know, maybe you could do like their consent talk or do some research because to learn how what, the differences between consent and consent isn't just touch. It's also energy and what that looks like. It doesn't mean you can't be a sexual person in a sexier, sexual or naked environment. And there's also limitations on that based on consent and like what's acceptable or like you, this person said acceptable, but like what is uh, not harmful and not invasive or intrusive. And part of that really is just being honest, open the whole middle-aged white guy thing. I know there's a lot of stigma around that, especially with the ageism that is out there. Like all of a sudden, if you're you know, 40, 50, 60 up, then you can't be as sexual as you know, 20, 30, 40. I don't know. And I think that that's kind of bullshit, but it's how you navigate it that matters. The other experience I had was just frolicking naked by the pool dancing and a lovely middle-aged white guy came up to me and said, I just love your energy. And that was it. He didn't That's look not me, creepy at all. No, because he didn't look me awesome. up and down. He looked me in the eyes. Maybe he looked up. I'm sure he looked at my boobs, my ass. And then he but then he just walked away. But I you said, didn't Thank feel you. bad. Oh, yeah. creep creep. And I what all. I wish is I would have said thank you to him. Like I said thank you, but like also thank you for being so I'm respectful. sure you said thank you. I hope so. I think I was just like, thank you, I'm gonna dance now. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for a bio? Yeah. I like that story. Okay. Dr. Meredith Brzezinski is a pelvic health and orthopedic physical therapist located in Portland, Oregon, and also serves as the director of pelvic health for concierge physical therapists, a nationwide company that offers in-home services to their clients. Dr. Meredith knows that every person has a story to share and having time with your provider is often the piece that is lacking in our traditional healthcare system, especially when it comes to pelvic floor health and pleasure. To learn more, visit Dr. Meredith brzezinskipt.com All right, everyone, it is episode time. And today we have repeat guest, the fabulous Dr. Meredith Brzezinski. Did I say your last name right? Brzezinski. Yes. yes. I love a good Brzezinski. You nailed it. I nailed it. Uh, and last time Meredith was on her show, it was uh, episode 275. And we were talking all about painful sex, hemorrhoids, a lot of focus on hemorrhoids. Um, and all kinds of other things that were really insightful. We loved Meredith's energy and we're super excited to have her back. Got a, squ um, a squatty potty after that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we I, yes, have squatty potties. Yes. I'm actually trying to like do um, floor squats more. <laughs> Get that pelvis down to the earth. So this is going to be a little bit extension of that, although we probably won't talk about uh, hemorrhoids in this one, but also kind of more like some of the fun stuff, like how to enhance sexuality or pleasure when painful, painful sex is there, everything from positions, all kinds of things. So, and toys, ooh, toys. So let's dive on in. So even though you all heard a little bit about Meredith in the bio, in the intro, uh, Meredith, can you, Dr. Meredith, Dr. Brzezinski, can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Absolutely. So I started out as a physical therapist, just treating the typical things like back pain and ankle pain and all of that. And then I worked at a clinic where I had the opportunity to take a pelvic floor class and I went into it, not really sure if I was going to like it or not, but I left thinking, how in the world do we not know this information? Like, it's just so important 
such important information that's not well known about, not talked about, you know, things that we should be talking about to our children about how to poop and how to be able to do all these things. And so I, I left just feeling so empowered to be able to share this information with more people. And ever since then, I've been treating only pelvic health. And I, you know, I just find that it makes such a difference in people's lives because it is such an important piece of just health in general. That section of your body is so important. People don't understand. And I only know this. I'm obviously not a doctor, but working when I worked with Fun Factory, they made these smart balls and we would talk about pelvic floor health and I would research about pelvic floor health. And I didn't realize, and I know we'll get into this, but the incontinence, which is leaky bladder is all linked to pelvic floor health, but also orgasms, uh, longevity of orgasms. And then there's so many things that are linked and not just it's for everyone. Right. So I know that Amy mentioned it last time we talked about hemorrhoids and painful sex because that is important because everybody has a butthole and sometimes hemorrhoids happen, right? And painful sex can happen. But this time we are, we're going to focus on, well, we're going to talk about the pelvic floor because you are an expert in that and get a little bit more fun down to how to's. So can you just talk about, as I kind of mentioned, why pelvic floor's health um, can lead or having good pelvic floor health, right? Like eating a good diet, like good pelvic floor health can lead to better orgasms. Can you talk more about that? Absolutely. So in order to have an orgasm, your pelvic and to have penetrative intercourse, your pelvic floor has to relax. And so I think a lot of times the pelvic floor gets a lot of attention for its strength and its ability to contract, which is all really important. But really what it needs to do is relax and kind of move out of the way so that we can allow for penetration. And so being able to understand how to both contract and relax your pelvic floor is the key to a happy, healthy pelvic floor. And so just connecting to that area, I think a lot of times people's awareness for this part of the body is really low because we've never been taught about it. So in order to have a good pelvic floor, you know, we're going to have better orgasms because the pelvic floor is going to be able to both contract and relax. And that will allow us to just have more pleasure. And also, so because you can have longer orgasms and stronger or- orgasms, at least that's what I remember. Because when I worked at Pure Pleasure back in the day, Amy was telling me about, she's like, you don't know about Kegel balls. And I was like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. I was in my t- mid twenties. And then she's like, well, it can actually help you have uh, longer orgasms. I was like, really? And so when I started doing my pelvic floor workouts with the, the balls inside of me, I was, I like, started the ejaculation, female ejaculation happened, squirting, aka squirting after I believe it's linked to that, but I don't know. So well, Amy, Amy, you did that for me, you're uh, you know, yeah. yes, you're <laughs> very well. Gave her her first vibrator, taught her about Kegel balls, and now she's dominating the world lovingly about all about knowledge about sex stories. So I wanted to just say, I think people underestimate the power of Kegels and not, and we, I think we did last time talk about the, like the too tightness, like the too tight is a thing for the pelvic floor. But I'm just bringing it more to like the con- you're talking about the contraction and then the relaxation, you know, the tightening and releasing and it's that full movement. You know, for me, I can if, during sex, if I actually do that and when I'm like, you know, feeling arousal or how or have something inside of me, something consensual, it can actually it can heighten the sensation and enhance the orgasm. I also have the ability to sit here right now and not be turned on. And I could just do Kegels for like one or two minutes. And all of a sudden I'm tapped in my pelvic floor and I'm feeling some good things in my pussy. And so, the, and I, my question for you about this, which is not really a question we had on the list, but actually it goes hand in hand with this. Does the same go for all body parts like of the genitals, meaning like asses, penises? Uh, I'm talking about vulvas, but does the same apply to, um, to all body parts in, in the genital realm? 
Yeah, definitely. So everybody has a pelvic floor. Um, the pelvic floor, what we talk, what we're talking about is just a group of muscles. And so it's just arranged a little bit differently in a male versus female body, but it's all the same musculature, very similar names, um, and very similar properties. So contracting is going to help to increase that sensation, bring awareness to that area. Relaxing is going to help with intercourse, things like that, bowel movements, all of that. And so being able to contract and relax for both genders is really important because that's going to bring more blood flow there. That's going to allow more arousal. So all of it is, you know, it's the same. It's just a little bit different organization. And then the ass is connected obviously yeah. to, and so I never realized, so I'd say like person, person, the butthole, uh, <laughs> that, that like contraction. So that is also part of my pelvic floor. So I want, if I'm contracting yes. or bearing down um, and, and releasing and then contracting, that's all related. So that is I'm strengthening or getting used to my pelvic floor, I guess. Wait. Okay. So <laughs> break it down. What I'm, what I'm getting, what I'm getting at here is there's self-examination that you can do, right? You can do self-exam. I wouldn't do it right now. Cause I have these nails that are like cat nails on right now. I'll be like, yes, that sounds like it's going to be painful painful, though. They're nice. But uh, so why is self-examination of your bits important, no matter what bits you're rocking and how can someone get to know all of their genital bits better, whether it's their asshole or their penis or their vulva or the things in between? Yeah. So I think self-examination is such a powerful tool because it allows us to just literally get to know that area of our body. I think especially for vulva owners, everything is kind of tucked underneath of us. So we don't see it unless we're trying to look at it. And so I always encourage people to, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can get a mirror underneath of you. You can lay in front of a mirror, but just, you know, taking a look, examining your, your bits and getting a sense of kind of what what everything looks like. I think that's especially important in vulva owners when we think about pregnancy and things like that. I like people to get to know what things look like before so that they know if something is different after. That's a really important piece of it. And I just think that getting to know this area will bring more awareness, will build that body-brain connection so that you have better sensation, better arousal, better pleasure in that area. So that one of the things like in terms of like the tips realm, you're talking about like a mirror to be able to see and you can take mm-hmm. like a hand mirror, just like spread your legs in front of a mirror, get really yeah. close to it. I'm I'm curious about like how many people haven't done that. I think a lot of people have not. I remember being a teenager and being really curious about my my genitals. So I would sit with a, a mirror and I had like bright light on and I'm like, interesting. And then the next level would be like taking my fingers to like feel the different areas. I wasn't necessarily like baiting or anything, but I was just like checking out, you know, what everything felt like. And, and then next level would be like, I'm doing that on the, my internal anatomy too. But so this is something I'm like, I'm curious about how many penis owners haven't done this. Like, yeah, they can be in the mirror and like look at their cock probably, but to like really see like the undercarriage. Like, do you see your asshole? Have you looked at your taint? You know, what are yeah. the undercarriage of your balls look like? Because I, when I've gotten really close to those areas on a penis owner, but I don't know if they have with themselves. And it's easier for me to see. Maybe I could film it for them. I don't know. I'm not offering that. It's not a service. But are you recommending that for penis owners too? How does someone look at their asshole clearly, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. I've tried before, though. It's not easy. Yeah. So, so that, that is harder to do, but, um, laying, you know, laying reclined in front of a mirror can be a great way having, you know, taking a picture can be a great way to do it as well. I always say, you know, our partners tend to know our anatomy so much better than we do because they're up close and personal there. So, you know, sometimes even asking partner to do an inspection can sometimes be helpful to see if anything's different, if anything's changed and just get a sense of it. I think, 
you know, the more that we connect with this part of our body, the better we're going to, you know, be in terms of pleasure and being able to connect when we're having intercourse and things like that. And this also includes masturbation too. Like we were talking mirror stuff and I talked about bait in a little bit, but as part of the self-examination of the bits, that's also like touching and whether it's for the trying to lead to orgasm or just like, that's part of one of the top tips too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, being able to explore yourself is such an important piece of understanding what you want and what pleasure you're looking for um, and how to, you know, communicate that to a partner. So I think being able to understand your body is, is such an important piece. Yeah. I definitely think that having, so I obviously know penises, you can a lot of times see them change, right. When they go mm-hmm. from cold to erect to semi, wh- wh- whether, and Where'd your balls uh, but I feel like my vulva <laughs> changes too. Sometimes like, uh, the external bits, like I could see sometimes, cause I wear a lot of, um, active wear, um, active not doing anything active right now, but I'm in my active wear and I'm like, Oh wow. Like I literally look like I have a camel toe right now in this active wear. And then some days I'm like, it's all tucked in. And I don't know, that's not really related to your pelvic floor, but, or is it? I, it, it is. is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, okay. what does yeah, that mean so about me? What are, what are, what does it mean? If I have a big old nerd knuckle I'm just, and totally, <laughs> camel, I'm going to call you camel toe from now on. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, underneath our labia is muscle. Um, so that's the first layer of pelvic floor muscles. And so that can change in tone. So that might be a piece of it. It might be, you know, blood flow. So yeah, everything can change day to day. And I think, you know, different times of our cycle, things can change. So getting to know that area and looking at it at different times can be helpful too. Do you have any tips for folks who don't have a solid masturbation practice or, you know, self-pleasure practice? And they're like, I, you know, I wanted to try this thing, but I don't even know where to start. And I know this is, could be like a five hour podcast all about this, but like, what, what would you say to folks who want to start to explore that, but don't have a lot of experience or know what to do? Yeah. So I think that self-examination is a great place to start. Just getting to know the area, looking at it, you know, not necessarily touching it until you're feeling ready to, and just, you know, I think seeing it is really helpful to understand like what, what is even going on down there? What am I trying to do? And then breathing. Breathing is one of the best techniques that we can do to engage our pelvic floor. So when we take a nice big inhale, our pelvic floor relaxes and kind of drops down towards the ground. When we exhale, our pelvic floor lifts. So just looking where you can look externally and see. And when you do that, you can actually see your pelvic floor moving. You can see everything kind of open up, everything kind of close up with an exhale. So I think that's a great place a great place to start to start just building that awareness, building that connection, and then, you know, ramping up from there, however you're comfortable. Let those hands explore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, or sex toys, which I think we we're going to get, get into. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm like, why walk everywhere when you can drive? Right. So uh, that's how I feel about sex toys. Exactly. Um, so, I want a Ferrari. So I, I, the pelvic floor is such an interesting an entire like I want to call it the beast of the pelvic floor because it is it's like the beast like the animal the pelvic floor because it's linked to so many different pieces and and people's pelvic floors they can be overactive too right I've had friends that I have talked to about their pelvic floor health because of they got the kegel balls and they're like that really hurts to put the kegel balls in Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm like I actually don't know because I know people with leaky bladder need maybe to strengthen their pelvic floor And we've talked to other pelvic floor experts before, and there is a thing such as um, overactive, which also needs that self-examination where you kind of like are relaxing around the finger. So can you talk a little bit about the folks that maybe are there indicators that could be flagged that you have something up with your pelvic floor that you should take a look at? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's a ton, um, but one would be pain. So any type of pelvic pain, pain with insertion of a tampon, pain with insertion of a finger, of a penis, you know, whatever it is, that's a sign that there's something going on with the pelvic floor. Generally, that's a sign that pelvic floor is overactive and there's too much tension there, but not always. There can be other things happening. And then pain with bowel movements can be a big piece. Constipation is a big piece that we see a lot. Um, just because if you're having constipation, then you're up, you're usually bearing down a lot on the pelvic floor, which can cause a lot of symptoms and then any amount of leaking, um, you know, incontinence is one of those things where it's really normalized in our society. So people are like, oh, well I had kids. So yeah, I pee my pants when I laugh, like that's really fine. But any amount of leakage tells us there's something wrong with the system. So that would be a good sign to go see a pelvic floor therapist. And can you come back? So if you, is there ever like a point of no return? I, I no, no one's, we know no one's broken, but is there ever a point? Is there something you can do if you never paid attention to your pelvic floor? You had a few kids or maybe you just didn't know how important it was. And you know, like with muscle, with any muscle like prolapse. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm wondering, or is there a point of no return or can you always do something to, to get it back? Even if it's small steps. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I treat people, yeah, we treat people in their 80s that had, you know, four babies and have been leaking ever since. And a lot of times we change one or two things. We get them a squatty potty. We teach them how to connect to their pelvic floor and the leaking goes away. So the, the thing that I love about the pelvic floor is it's really adaptive and it really, it changes quickly once we build that awareness. A lot of times there's just a disconnect between the brain and the pelvic floor, and it can be because of trauma, it can be because we've never been taught about it. There's a lot of different reasons, but once we connect to that area, things move really quickly and people get better really fast. Okay. So thank you. I'm sorry. I've like, I'm banging out the questions right but, now. I'm like, Rah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> penis owners and I, and I'm sorry if I apologize if this isn't an intelligent question, but I've always wondered, so penis owners, can they have leaky bladders too? Like can, if they, can oh, they do the whole like laughing and peeing thing or is that yeah. primarily with vulva owners? Yeah, no, it's not a silly question. They definitely can. Their urethra is shaped differently. It's just it's a shorter system, so it's less likely to happen um, with a penis owner, but it definitely can happen. Males have a lot of different pelvic floor issues. Pelvic pain is probably the biggest one, and that can happen for a number of reasons. It can be nerve entrapment. It can be muscle tension. Um, so we assess the pelvic floor through the bum for males and check the muscles all the same that we do vaginally with, with vulva owners. And, um, there's a lot of treatment that we can do. So yeah, we can treat, you know, anything in terms of issue with the pelvic floor. And so if there's just something going on, bowel, bladder, sexual dysfunction, any of those things tell us there's something wrong and that, that we need to see a therapist. What's up, shameless sex fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My ha- yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, 
the right tools for your sex and relationship so you get what you desire. And it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus, the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you, you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> I have... Uh, two questions. No, we're just firing yeah. up the questions. Okay. One, the one is, is going to seem ridiculous and outlandish. The other one I think is a little more intelligent. But I'm going to both of them. Let's go with ridiculous first. Can a penis owner actually break their penis? Like, can they like jab, jam it or maybe get jammed or, or jabbed or like smoosh so hard? I just so was hard? about this, by the way, the other day. Yeah. Is that it like hurts the urethra and the erectile tissue? Is that a thing? Yes. Yes. Oh. So... Penis injuries can happen. Um, a lot of times it's because of a fast force and then, you know, a trauma to the, to the penis. And especially when it's erect, it, that muscle tissue is going to have injury. So that whole, the whole shaft of the penis is muscle. And so there could be muscle injury there, which just takes time to heal, but it's also something that they see in the emergency room a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have to get like a splint? Oh, penis splint. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure if they Sorry, if this has ever happened to you, we're not laughing I, at you. We're I had a here. conversation with an ER doctor about this, no joke, uh, less than a month ago, because uh, he was telling me about a penis injury, because I was asking the same thing, but you weren't there about the conversation. And I was like, what? And so I, I knew the answer, but I was like, he had a patient that had jumped off something to try to, he wanted to be Superman with his partner. And was like, I'm going to role play. Yeah. yeah. He, he, had, he had the cape on when he came to the ER. He still the cape on. And he I broke mean, his, got stroke, hurt, his but... cock. And he was fine. Because I was like, can he get back the, the same thing? Yes. Yeah. So um, interesting that you just asked that. Because I was like, I just was talking yeah. about this. And I've never thought about it. But you can. That's so. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, okay. So this is not my other question. I still have another question. But with this, is the, the pelvic floor part of that healing? Well, this maybe isn't your specialty, right? Like if the erectile tissue just needs time, it's a muscle that needs healing, is also healing them doing pelvic floor work potentially a part of it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think getting those muscles to recruit again and fire again um, would be a piece of it. And, you know, anytime we see an injury to tissue, we there's a lot that we can do in terms of like icing and Rest and compression, all of those things, um, which PT can do. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think that would be helpful. And okay, was that? Did you? Oh, I have one more. Oh, okay, but it's not about the cock. <laughs> it's about, and so I'm not going to say this perfectly because I was talking about like I've been trying to squat more, and I have very tight hamstrings, and I do yoga regularly, but like I just squatting with my feet flat on the ground is really hard for me. So I can do that, but it's like, but anyways. So I heard that there was I don't know if it's some research or it's a theory. But that squatting, your ability to squat for like 10 minutes actually sh- is a sign of your your health and like your longevity. Health? Well, oh, oh, in general, know. general, so overall. Oh. Pelvic floor. I have heard people say that we should, you know, squat to like get our genitals down to the ground so that um, we can, you know, we can poop better. We can, and it also can help our pelvic floor. And for vulva owners, there's something about that relaxation that happens with kind of pushing your pelvic floor down. But I think they were talking about the full body. But do you know anything about this? And then maybe if you just want to elaborate on the importance of squatting. 
Yeah. So I haven't heard it in, in terms of, you know, indicators of general health, but they are trying to come up with, you know, more basically with vital signs of like, what are the things? So like gait speed is one of them. So how fast you can walk is an indicator. And so if you are not walking, you know, within a certain speed, it's like an indicator of your death in so many years. So there's definitely a lot of things like that. And so I can imagine squatting just because of its functional, it's a functional movement that we need to be able to do all the time. Time, that it would be a piece of general health. I used to work with someone who their theory was that if you practice getting on and off the floor every day, that that is because when you think about older people, like one of the things they have so much trouble with is when they fall down, they can't get back up. And so she just swore by practicing getting on and off the floor fully. And oh. that was her her theory um, to be able to live longer. So <laughs> lots Whoa. of, you know, I saw, uh, I think it was like on Instagram or something. It was this, this badass older woman meeting, like she's probably like in her seventies or something mm-hmm. and maybe like mid to late seventies. And she was in the gym and she would lay on her back entirely on her back, like legs stretched out with a, with a weight over her head. And she would get up without using her hands or anything, just like sitting up using her whole body and then would put, push the weight up over her head when she stood up and could do that over and over again. And I was like, I don't even know if I can I, do that. I, I can do that. But I was a gymnast but I was like, for so many years. Yeah, I was like, look how healthy yeah. that person is, though. Like their whole body. Yeah, I didn't so think that that would be in for longevity. That's interesting. not really related to sex, but like it's all connected. Right. You know, like if if yeah. I keep my whole body operating and functioning, then, uh, you know, sexuality follows and it could also be reversed. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And then in terms of squatting, a deep squat is such a powerful tool for the pelvic floor because then we're like in line with gravity. So we can really take a nice deep breath, feel that inhalation moving down towards the ground, feel that exhalation lifting up. So for all genders, it's really an important skill. It can help us have better poops. It can help us have better sex. And, you know, again, just connecting to that area. And then there's also just benefits orthopedically in terms of calf's length, hamstring length, just being able to get into that position. Okay. So this is a good point because we haven't, uh, we've touched on prevention a little bit, right? And we, but we've been talking a lot of more about what happens after uh, the pelvic floor becomes weaker or you need to work on pelvic floor health in general. But in terms of prevention, obviously we know there's the kegel balls are one thing. We know the self-examination is important. And I, obviously I, I would assume seeing a pelvic floor specialist would be something to do. But if you are there preventative things that you can also just kind of list off before you'd have to see a pelvic floor specialist? Or is that something that everyone should probably do at some point anyway? Yeah. I mean, you know, as a pelvic floor therapist, I think, you know, we are seeing more and more people for preventative care now. And so people are coming in saying, Hey, I just want to learn about my pelvic floor. I don't really understand it. Um, can you help me better connect to that? And that's wonderful, but that's not going to be the situation for everyone. So I think deep squat is a great option. So just practicing a deep squat each day, you know, getting into that position, doing some deep breaths, that in of itself is super preventative for the pelvic floor. And it's also super functional too. You know, um, when I feed my dogs in the morning, I get into a deep squat to scoop their food out. So, you know, if you have little kids, you can squat into that position on the floor with them. So just thinking about ways that we can implement it into our daily routine and not needing to necessarily make it you know, this big significant change in our lives. I have to do it for 10 minutes every morning before right. my cup of coffee. Cause I got to, <laughs> I'm not going to say that actually someone else. I, I, I like that Tim Ferriss says this it's when the morning, win the day. Cause I think there's actually truth behind it, but like adding squats into, or a squat into that. 
but I like I personally operate better from little pieces like you're talking about, or like with Kegels yeah. like I can do it at a, every stoplight or yeah. I do it having. during class like when I do uh, yeah, hot yoga classes or hot Pilates I classes do it in, I'll do Kegels too there's yes. positions where I'm like no one knows but I'm doing Kegels right uh, now and it feels pretty good <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> I think it should be part of the practice in the hot class the, yeah. the, the, or if it's whether it's hot or, or not hot but uh, it, just being like everyone do your Kegels everyone right get now. in a two minute squat and yeah. do Kegels yeah the and they all look at each other laughing <laughs> you're, all, <laughs> you're all like enhancing your pelvic floor together okay so um, let's come to more some sexiness here Ooh, and I think squatting sexy squatting everyone super by the sexy. way super sexy. About? it's super sexy I love it I, I look good squatting sex position that could be super hot but maybe that's what you'll say here <laughs> so what about positions for hot pleasurable sex our listeners love positions are there any positions that really favor pelvic floor relaxation while decreasing the chances of pain absolutely so the the most basic position that's going to help with pelvic floor relaxation is on your back in a missionary position with the legs supported, just because that's going to allow, you know, your inner thigh muscles to be relaxed. You're supported on the bed. So you've got a good relaxed position there. So I like to just tell people it's all about what you feel. So if you feel like you're working super hard to hold the position, then your pelvic floor is probably not in a super relaxed position. And that's not to say that that's not going to work. It's just, you know, it's going to be a position where you might have to do a little bit more breathing or connect to the pelvic floor a little bit more. So like um, a handstand is other... not a good sex position. Right. For... <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> the other one that I really like is like a spooning position. So with the person behind you lying on your side, that can be a really nice position for the pelvic floor. And so I find that especially like first time after baby, that's a great position for people to start with just because the pelvic floor has been through a lot. And so it um, oftentimes just needs a little a little extra love and care in the beginning. But yeah, any position where you feel like you can really relax your pelvic floor and that might even be on top. Like you might be able to feel like you've really got your arms and legs down, you're grounded, you're able to support yourself. So any position can work. It's just about finding. And that's a lot of the self-examination is like, what does my pelvic floor relax feel like? getting into that deep squat, you can really feel that relaxation. So really connecting to that so that then in sex, you can use it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's for any um, gender human, right? We're talking about Mm -hmm. anyone doing this. Um, I'm trying to envision my partner doing deep squats right now. And I'm like, I might need to... You mean ever or in sex? No, not in sex, but just in general. And I'm like, uh, like he can, but they're not as deep. So, um, and that's something that you can probably attain over time, right? The, the deeper you go, because I feel like what you were talking about with penis owners, I'm just relating this to penis owners right now, because you were talking about the tight, uh, the, the hip, the hip, well, not hip flexors. You were talking hamstrings about and not the hamstrings. hamstrings and calves and like, Oh really? So those mm-hmm. are okay. And then what about hip flexors? Are those part of something that could be linked to, um, weak pelvic floor or, 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 something that you could work on too? Or if I want to live to 120, do I need to be a yogi? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, hip flexor um, pain can definitely be related to pelvic floor pain. A lot of times when someone has pelvic floor pain, their hip flexors are a little bit overactive. Um, That's something that we see pretty consistently. So You know, I think with a deep squat, the important thing to know is like, you don't necessarily need to be able to get all the way down and be able to hold it because that that is a challenging position for some people, especially if they've never done it. So there's lots of different ways you can 
modify it to make it easier. So you could put like a yoga block under your butt. You could put a squatty potty under your butt, a stool, something like that, so that you're not having to go all the way down. You can also lean forward or lean back onto something so that you're more supported. So, you know, everybody has different muscle length capacity. And so if you're not able to get into that position and really hold it, using some supports around you can be really helpful. Okay. And if you, so from a penis owner standpoint, if you have a long trajectory with your ejaculate, does that mean you have strong pelvic floor? Like you, you, you ejaculate for <laughs> you could shoot it. multiple or seconds. Like, yeah. So yeah. Or like it could oh, shoot. It shoots on the wall. Yes. Cause sometimes you see that and I'm like, what it, that has to mean that they have strong pelvic floor health, but I don't know. I'm just saying this, does that mean that I'm like, it has to, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I don't know in terms of, you know, if it's consistent that a strong pelvic floor is going to make it, it ejaculate stronger. Yeah. Something I'll have to look up. and see. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I, yeah. always thought, I have no idea. That's why like, maybe it's, there's probably no research yet. Maybe this is our next mm-hmm. journey. Dr. Meredith Brzezinski yes. and I will go and, and we'll <laughs> test this, some ejaculate, uh, le, le, the longevity. The long, I like the word longevity. Me too. Yeah. I think of trajectory. Like, <laughs> oh, like trajectory is probably better. Yeah. yeah, it's probably better. But I like longevity, but I'm like, they're going to live a long time with that ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign of a long life. Is it how much can yes. you come for how long and how far? Well, in porn too. So there's like, you know, you'll see kind of the money shot and, and like it's, it's definitely glorified, you know, that it's this is big, big splooge that can go really far. It's very directed in where it goes. Sometimes it shoots um, right in the eye though. And I'm like, oh, that sometimes looks painful. It's, it's just gushing. But so yeah. for vulva owners who are ejaculating in porn, that's also been sensationalized. And I've heard that a lot of them are, it's actually just urine and there, but they still have a strong pelvic floor mm-hmm. to squirt it in, in, in this way. And it's not always that we're actually like, we still, we believe in, in female ejaculation as a thing. So I'm not saying that it's just that porn is not the best. Teacher. I have a Volvo owning friend that can spell her name with her P in like the snow. Probably is a really strong pelvic. That's what I, that <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but she can. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> one more question. <laughs> um, not one more. We have a couple more. Would, so your, your bladder control, like if you have the ability to stop and, and start your flow with more control or like April's talking about someone who can spell their name in the snow, does this mean that someone has a really strong pelvic floor? like a lot of control around it? Yeah, they definitely have great coordination. So basically (laughs) your your bladder and your pelvic floor are opposites. So when we're just sitting here talking, our bladder is relaxing and filling and our pelvic floor is turned on a little bit to keep everything inside and not allow any leakage. And then when we go to the bathroom, our bladder contracts and pushes the pee out and our pelvic floor relaxes, moves out of the way lets the pee come out. And so if you're able to stop the flow of urination, that's a Kegel that's telling us that you can get a contraction. You can kind of close those doors to stop the flow of urine. We usually don't recommend people actually practicing it on the toilet because then it gets kind of confused in the brain of like, are we supposed to be relaxing here? Are we supposed to be contracting here? But it is a good test. It's a way to check in with your pelvic floor and say, yes, I can stop the flow of urination. That means I can do a Kegel. That means I have some good strength there. And the snow test is extra. That's how you That's do it. Bonus yeah. times two. I cannot, by the way. I just have a hua stream. Yeah. Okay. It's just like time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, Uber Lube. Uber Lube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending Uber Lube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E so it feels extra moisturizing. 
There's a reason why we've been a fan of Uber Lube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. Okay, I'll make this my last one. But, but we're on a note that was like the topic I love of peeing and urination, which I think is an important conversation. Last time time of pooping, now we're talking about peeing. Um, you're welcome, everyone. What if someone has to pee and they sit down on the toilet or wherever and it takes a while for it to start and they're like kind of hanging out there? I know that that can be like stage five. There's other people around, but say no one else is around and it's like it's just like, and they have the urge still they to have, pee. They, but yeah, the body has a desire to. It's taking a while for their their body to actually do the thing. Is that is that a thing related to pelvic floor health? Yeah. So that could be just difficulty to get the pelvic floor to relax. And it might be that the bladder like is having some difficulty contracting. And that might be a bladder issue, which is truly a pelvic floor issue. When we treat someone for incontinence, we're also looking at the bladder, looking at the bladder health and seeing what's going on there. You know, one of the things that I talk to people a lot about is frequent peeing. So people who like need to go all the time and you know, people are like, oh, I have a small bladder, I have a weak bladder, that kind of thing. But that's really a myth because our bladder is able to relax and hold about two cups of fluid. So if we're going all the time, it's probably just that we've trained ourselves to go all the time. So a lot of times we call it just in case being where we go just because we see a bathroom or we go because we're about to leave the house, that kind of thing. And that will cause the receptors in the bladder to become more sensitized to a little bit of urine. So then as soon as there's a little bit of urine in the bladder, the bladder receptors will tell the brain, okay, we've got to go. But really we have the capacity to hold a lot more. So we can retrain that and allow ourselves to have 
longer duration in between going Those to the Those are the worst people to go on road trips with. I have a friend like that. She's probably listening. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about because you I'm know. always like, bitch, you got to pee right now or we're pulling off the side. Because I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, I regulate her fluid intake when we're driving in the car. I'm like, you can't drink any more water. <laughs> She's like, you can't say that. I was like, no, I'm serious because you have to pee because I can hold it. I'm like a camel, oh, yeah. which might not be a good thing because Remember I've heard we went to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. And so like, we, were, we were front row in the pit and you get a spot and there's like the bathrooms are really far away. If you lose that spot, you're screwed. And so we had this master plan. Uh, we want to be hydrated but not overhydrated because so we're like, like if we drink too much we can't go yeah. to the bathroom and find each other yeah, like, so it's like, gonna be a mess two shots of tequila and then like went to the bathroom and then went there and held that spot for like four hours yeah <laughs> three hours nice. or something. i was like we've got the best bladder control yeah, we planned it but I, I could go for four five six seven hours in a car and drinking like coffee and liquids and i'll when i have to pee i'm like no i'm gonna wait is that a bad thing to do <laughs> am i hurting myself yeah <laughs> yeah so every two to four hours is ideal oh, so i'm like 15 hours. hours i get up plane rides i'm going i'm flying to london tonight and i've been on a plane ride before and the guy next to me was like are you okay you it was like I think it was a 14 hour plane I was I was flying somewhere um to Asia I think and he's like you haven't gotten up one time and I was like I'm fine and I was like fuck am I is like something wrong with me so Dr. Brzezinski is yeah something a lot yeah, of things are so <laughs> a lot of times you'll see like teachers and nurses and people who like just can't take a break at work and mm. one of the scary things that can happen with that is what we call overflow incontinence where basically the bladder just gets so stretched out that the receptors aren't able to activate and it contracts oh, and you no. lose your whole bladder in front of everybody. Um, April's so- freaking out of here right now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, not funny, but like, she's like, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so- there's the whole thing about the UTIs too, right? Like it, that yes. holding mm-hmm. it for two. There is really? like, it sounds like it's about balance. It's not too often and it's not yes. holding it exactly. and forever. It's like in the in-between. Okay. So you said two to four exactly. hours? Cool. Noted. Every two <laughs> to four hours. Yeah. Well, I'm flying to London soon. I'm, I was like, every four hours, you get enough. To- I'd, I'd sit in the window because I don't go to the bathroom that much. So I never get an aisle seat because it just annoys me to have people crawling over you to go to the bathroom right. if you're in an aisle. Anyway, um, that being said, that's, that's not about this, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to think about, I think about Dr. Brzezinski uh, after our, our episode before the 275 that we recorded with you. Um, I've thought about you with my, like my health of my stool and things. I was like, she's like, yeah, we talked about it. You were like, I'm, I'm happy to, to give this information because we don't talk about it unless it's, and it's not, and I'm glad you said it's never too late because that's something that people have this mentality, like, well, if it's not uh, broken, why fix it? Right. But it's like, no, prevention is a whole thing uh, with health, with uh, relationships, with, with all of it. So let's talk about sex toys for for a minute. But I'm going to think about you on the plane ride tonight when I have to pee and I'm like two to four hours. I'm going to set my timer on my, on my phone and be like, okay. So sex toys. I know that Amy and I, we've been advocates for sex toys for a long time. And not because because of pure pleasure, just because I fucking love them. They like changed my life. So what what pleasure products do you think you would recommend for folks that are related to pelvic floor health? Um, if they're having painful sex, that can also bring pleasure and um, balance the, those those pieces. Yeah. So specifically for painful sex, um, there's kind of two different routes that we go with therapeutic tools. So one route is a wand. So it's basically like an S shaped tool that you can use to release trigger points on the pelvic floor. And so um, you can do your own self-assessment and check and see if there's any um, tight spots, release those areas, and that can significantly help with 
with Palpatine. Um, can you hear my dogs barking? Yeah, your dog, yeah. The dogs are barking. dogs cheered on. Like, yeah, yeah. Once, yeah. yeah. Well, if our dogs know. heard that right now, they'd be freaking yeah, we're out. We're on our headphones. Hear, yeah. They'd all be barking yeah. right now. Well, just, you know, I keep like, you keep going, but a lot of people, we, when we talk about ones, we're usually talking about the kind of baseball bat looking external one. You're talking about this one that goes inside mm-hmm. that the curve. Okay, so yeah, that's a good, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Because, yes. Yeah, yeah, great point. Non, non-vibrating, that, right? It's non-vibrating? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, they actually just, they oh. just created, they just created one that's vibrating. So they have a vibrating one now and they have a like temperature one. So it can be like hot or cold. And then they have just a regular wand. Yeah. I think Pure Pleasure still has the crystal wand on their website that was kind of like the classic that people were Mm -hmm. recommending for internal stimulation is that S shape is made of like acrylic or something. Um, That's cool that there's vibrating versions. Now there's a vibrating version. I wonder who makes it. Do you probably don't know? Uh, Yeah. It's Intimate Rose. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a pelvic, yeah, pelvic PT that started a company with all these different tools. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that we use are dilators. So basically just a gradual progression of um, size to, you know, work on being able to accommodate more space in the pelvic floor. And so that's something we use and we both, we can use that vaginally and rectally as well. Yeah. Pure Pleasure definitely has those. And I think we have multiple kind of like sizes or there's vibrating version, non-vibrating versions. I think all of that is in a section on the website that's like dilators, Kegels Mm -hmm. and dilators or something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people look at that like, wait, why would I want to need to do this? And, but it really is, it's not calling it necessarily stretching. It's like working with the tissue to getting it uh, kind of accustomed to one size and then a larger size and a larger size. And it starts at a very small size, like a finger. Well, do you relax around it when it's inside of you? Would you relax around that dilator? Yeah. Yeah. So most of the time what we do is we have people insert them and then just work on like breathing, relaxing, just tolerating the pressure. And then usually, you know, they have a set goal of, you know, whether it's partner size or whatever it is that they're working up to. And we just gradually increase as they build their tolerance. Okay. So, and if it's super painful, do you go just smaller? Um, because yep, obviously you don't want smaller. people to tolerate if it's like, a, like horrible, like, and if you're with a doctor, I think this would be probably better because we never say tolerate. We're like, don't, because it's it can be scary. Right. So, yeah. And everything that we know about pain neuroscience now is that pushing through pain is not the way to go. So mm-hmm. we wouldn't want someone experiencing any type of significant pain with this. It would be something that felt tolerable and then we would slowly graduate up to pleasure town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. I have so many more questions I want to ask. Um, you need a private consult with you, I know. Dr. <laughs> over here. It's not selfish at all. It's not well, <laughs> I just meet so many people that come to me with questions. And a lot of times I don't have, I'm not a doctor. I, I And I, I'm so grateful for this show because I get to absorb this information and meet experts like you in the field that really know your shit. And it's really literally incredible. No exactly. You know, your shit, you know all the shit. Um, and so it's, it's helpful because I had someone that was, she was from Kenya. She is from Kenya. And um, she approached me because she had genital mutilation when she was five. And so she can't use sex toys and, and sex is very painful for her. And I'm wondering if that would be something that affects pelvic floor health. And like, if there's things, because I didn't know what to tell her and I gave her some resources, but I didn't know what to tell her. And she's in her sixties now. So it's a long time living with this. So I don't know if, if you know anything about that, but I would love to point her in the direction when I um, revisit 
uh, her again. So there's yeah, yeah. There. I think pelvic floor ther- therapy would be a great option for her. Cause again, you know, a lot of our goal is just to help people understand what's going on with their body. We're looking at them individually and trying to figure out, you know, what the problem is, what, what the best solution is going to be. So we work with all genders. We work with people going through transitions with new genitalia, things like that. So, um, it would definitely be appropriate to send her to a physical therapist and help her get some, some answers. Okay. Yes. Good to know because I, my heart was like to sinking because she, sex was so painful for her, her entire mm-hmm. life. Um, and any sort of stimulation in well, her, it, like uh, on her genitals. And normally if, if it's painful internally, it's like, okay, we'll just focus externally. But for her, it sounds she like can't. that's painful too. So yeah. Well, like, right. Well, yeah. Right. So great resource. I'm going to definitely point her in that direction. Thank you, Dr. Brzezinski, for all of your uh, just wisdom and hanging out with Amy and I. And like, that, that wasn't a dumb question. I was like, sweet, because I was curious. And so <laughs> many things that I'm like, I guess I've never been able to dive in. We usually focus a, primarily, we, we don't always focus just on vulva owners, but Amy and I, a lot of times, because we're both vulva owners, tend to ask questions geared towards vulva owners and pelvic floor health, especially. We do a lot of times dive into the aspect of with childbirth and things that happen with vulva owners. So this this is really cool that we got another, I think, perspective for all genders and, and having you and you're in Oregon, you're in Portland, right? And mm-hmm. um, I know that you obviously have a practice. Um, if people want to find you, they want to work with you after they hear the show or if there's any other resources you want to share with folks that maybe aren't in your area. Can you please let everyone know about more about yeah. Dr. Brzezinski? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my website is drmeredithbrzezinskypt.com. Um, you can schedule a consult there, a free phone consult consultation. And then we actually, so I work for a larger company, Concierge Physical Therapist, and we actually have therapists all across the country, both pelvic health specialists and then orthopedic specialists as well. And so you can find us at conciergephysicaltherapist.com and see if we're in your area. We're slowly but surely making our way across the country, hiring more more awesome therapist. So we can hopefully connect you with somebody. And if you're not able to find someone through us, um, we can definitely help you connect to a physical therapist in your area. And then dr.meredithpt on Instagram. And yeah. Is doctor spelled out or is it DR? DR. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. No one spells out doctor anymore. (laughs) Doctor. (laughs) Call the doctor. Uh, Cool. I I love what you're doing. I love it. Pelvic floor health is so important. Next time we'll come back with, we'll get clear in our list of like our 8 million questions because you know they're going to pop up. So we'll have you back. In a number of months, and we'll be it's like, just, how about this? this, this, this. Yeah. So with you yeah. to talk to you because you are just knowledgeable and, and easy to to talk with. So appreciate that. I'd be fine with you looking at my genitals. I feel really safe with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be great with it too. And I'm like interested about these dilating things and my bladder control or my over controlling bladder. <laughs> I over I have over controlled my bladder, everyone. Um, now we know. I don't want to pop one day like a. Boy. No, me too. Now no. um, <laughs> you changed your life just now, Meredith. So this is great. Yeah, <laughs> as we do. So um, thank you to Dr. Brzezinski and thank you to all of our listeners out there, Shameless Sex Revolutionaries. We absolutely love each and every one of you. And I do an invitation after every show. So if you haven't pressed stop yet, don't just go on iTunes. Spotify, rate us, give us five stars. We read every single review. If you're too busy to actually write a sentence or two, you can just do an emoji. It all counts. It helps people find folks like Dr. Meredith Brzezinski who are helping people have better sex, 
less pain in their sexual life in general, and um, also more resources to um, help them live healthily, he- healthy and squat more deeply. <laughs> right. So that's important. And we do read every single review. We haven't read them in a in a little while, but we're about to. So go ahead and do that. Rate us. And if you have already rated us, thank you so much. We love you no matter what to the end of time. And what else, Amy? Let's see. April said, we love you. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Don't forget about our retreat in Costa Rica oh, yes. for Volvo owning folks. You might identify folks. It's on our website. Go learn more. It's in November. And remember, this is a and free we resource. Could do a squatting exercise. We could there. do a squatting mm-hmm. exercise. Every morning we squat. Or maybe we could do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Shameless Sex Podcast. Check out our website because uh, Dr. Brzezinski gave all of her handles. But if you are driving or you can't access it, go to shamelesssex.com. And we have all the links to all of what she shared on our website under this episode. Check out our uh, Costa Rica retreat, y'all. It is dope. I've had friends come up to me like, can I go on the retreat? I'm like, you can't, but there's only a few spots left. So definitely check that out. And we'll see you next Tuesday, everyone. All right. For another fun-filled shame break. Just kidding. We're, we're, <laughs> we're shameless. Okay. There is some shame from time to time, but we work through it. That's all I got. We love you all. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.